and welcome to DCOM Central, where two childhood best friends review, reflect, and poke fun at the Disney Channel original movies that they grew up with. And maybe more recent ones, but who knows how far we'll go. Well, I hope everyone is doing good and is healthy out there. Michael, you just got your second dose of the Vax. How are you feeling? I'm feeling uh, rather protected, Kelly. I'm feeling safe. And uh, you know what? Now that I got my second shot, I'm ready to get out there and continue practicing social distancing and going outside as little as possible. Awesome. Good for you, bud. So, I suppose I never saw today's movie, because even after watching it for the review, I uh, still couldn't recognize it. Michael, do you want to tell us what this, what this movie is? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're, we're watching uh, Johnny Kapahala Back on Board. Rather confusing sequel to Johnny Tsunami. Yes, a sequel that came out eight years after the first movie, so June 8th, 2007. So was, that's wild. It is wild. That's quite the time jump, and I love that they acknowledge it, it, it with the voiceover in the beginning. Yes, thankfully they did acknowledge it, sort of. <laughs> So for those of you who, like me, did not remember what this movie was about, let me tell you. Eight years after the first movie, now 17-year-old Johnny Kapahala is back on board and in Hawaii. His grandpa is getting remarried, and with the help of bootleg Sam, the boys must befriend Johnny's new 12-year-old whiny uncle. But of course, it's really not that simple, because wherever Johnny goes, a turf war unfolds. This time between Grandpa's surf shop and the Dirt Devil's skate shop. Will they be able to work this out and be all in this together? Oh, wait, wait, sorry. I was thinking about another 2007 DCOM. <laughs> Will Johnny be able to stop another meaningless feud? We'll find out in about 45 minutes. 45 minutes, give or take commercial breaks. That was good, Kelly. I like that. Well, if you watch Disney+, Plus, there's no commercials. <laughs> yes, you're right. So without further ado, fun facts. This is the 68th DCOM. The decon in between jump in and high school musical two actually. Oh wow, we have a trifecta now. We've got like three in a row. Mm. This is great. It was filmed in New Zealand from January to February of two thousand seven. New Zealand, I've been lied to. <laughs> yep, not Hawaii. I swore that was Hawaii. Not this time. Nope, very different. Wow. Did not. It did not look like Hawaii to me. Once I was, I went in the mindset I've never been, knowing so. it's New Zealand. So. Did look rather Star Wars-y. Yes. And since they were in New Zealand, they got a New Zealand actress to play Valerie, which is the, the girl lead. She covered her accent pretty well. Yeah, so her name is Rose McIver, who is more recently known for the TV show iZombie. I don't watch it, but I've seen lots of commercials for it, so I, re I recognized her face. She does look familiar. Okay, that, yep. All right, there it is. Lots of commercials for it. Yeah. Never seen this show. Nope. <laughs> and... Of course, everyone should recognize Jake T. Austin. This is actually his first Disney production because Wizards didn't, Wizards of Waverly Place didn't actually come out until October of 2007. And as I mentioned, this this was June of 2007. He is quite the young boy in this movie. He is quite small. And briefly mentioned in my summary, I said there was a bootleg Sam because <laughs> the role of Sam, the, the actor who played Sam, was replaced with a different guy. Little J, a.k.a. Devon Carter from That's So Raven. We've been betrayed. Yes, that was very awkward. Bring back old Sam. I liked old Sam. Old Sam was great. Yeah, or, you know, if you don't have the actor, just don't use the character. Nah, you had to bring Sam back. Wouldn't be Johnny Coppahall if it wasn't with Sam. But bootleg Sam, not good enough for me. Anyway, 
So, Michael, now that I've given you that really sad fact, how about you try to brighten my day with a nice plot? I'd love nothing more than to brighten your day with yet another decom plot, Kelly. <laughs> From the makers of that one movie about a surfer who had to learn how to snowboard because he moved to Vermont, here comes a movie about a surfer who had to learn how to snowboard because he moved to Vermont, only to go back to the place where he learned how to surf uh, and then learn how to skateboard subsequently. A bit confusing, Kelly, but you know what? We're back on board. That's right, Johnny's back, folks, and he's changed a bit since we saw him last. Uh, now he's in widescreen and HD. You love to see that kind of growth, Kelly. Yes, the growth of television over eight years. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it. It makes me enjoy the movie a whole bunch more, let me tell you. The Kapahala family is back in Hawaii for Grandpa's marriage. Yes, that's right. Pappy Tsunami is getting hitched, but Dad isn't too keen on the fact that the new wife also comes with a son. Johnny's parents drop him off with his old friend Sam. Remember him from the last movie? Don't recognize him? Oh yeah, that's because they recast him, as you said, Kelly. I mean, an absolute travesty, you're right. I just it didn't... I didn't see the point of bringing the character back if you're going to replace him with someone who didn't look anything like him. He could have met a new friend. That would have been perfectly acceptable. But I really did like the character of Sam from the last movie. A lot of it, yes, did have to do with the actor. Um, but when I come to Johnny Tsunami, I do want Sam. Yeah, I preferred Sam in the first movie. The original Sam, not bootleg Sam. You ain't wrong. I wonder where he went off to. I don't know. So Sam now lives in Hawaii. Quite a role reversal from the last movie. Remember, he was in Vermont and then Johnny came from Hawaii. Yeah, funny stuff. Quite convenient. Yeah, but their conversation, their little uh, reunion conversation gets interrupted when a game of longboarders comes careening down the road they're driving on. I think that we have a new sport entering the arena, Kelly. Oh, of course, of course. Sam drops Johnny off at Grandpa's place, but he's out surfing, not exactly in to greet Johnny at the moment. Johnny looks around the house, reminiscing but finds that little Pono's room has been renovated. Someone's been squatting here, Kelly. <gasps> we cut to that kid from Wizards of Waverly Place, often confused with the Wizards of Diagon Alley, uh, falling off his surfboard multiple times. <laughs> he complains to Johnny Tsunami about not wanting to surf, and he runs away. I, I don't like this bratty kid, Kelly. I hope he doesn't come back after running away from Mr. Tsunami. <laughs> I, uh, I just hope he just left for the entire movie yep see you later bud uh johnny and grandpa reunite pono and tsunami back together again both with matching shorter haircuts now whoa they walk back to the house and when johnny sees that there's a younger woman standing outside the house that's when grandpa says oh no that, that's that's no visitor that's my carla Oof. uh so i mean look look at johnny tsunami go kelly he's got a he's got He's got a new wife, and she's a lot younger than him. I, I am confused at how this worked and how they met, but I mean, I guess love is love. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Carla makes some dinner, and over the food, Johnny learns that his new uncle is actually the kid from the surf lessons earlier. That's right. Uncle Chris is just about half Johnny's age here. <gasps> they try to make introductions, but... Chris is more interested in his video games than the Johnnies. Uh, Johnny and Grandpa go outside and watch some surfers do their thing, and they talk about Chris. Not, not, not a lot of positives coming out of Chris here, Kelly, if you ask me. 
Nope, not a fan. The next day, Johnny is getting ready to go surfing, but Grandpa has some other ideas. Gramps then shows Johnny why Carla and Chris moved to Hawaii. Apparently, her dad owned a surf shop, and he left it to her. Grandpa Tsunami is going to help her get it up and running. So, uh, the, the old surfer bum is now going to be a respectable shop owner, Kelly. Hmm, okay. Interesting new look for him. Yeah, well, he gets a couple of interesting looks here. <laughs> While Grandpa helps set up the shop today, Johnny is tasked with babysitting his uncle. We see that Chris is across the street admiring the dirt borders, or mountain borders, or whatever you want to call it, Kelly. But, I mean, as soon as they started talking, I hated the way that they talked. I mean, I, I just, I immediately couldn't stand these kids. Except for Val, she seemed pretty nice when she unveiled herself. Yeah, most of them are very annoying. Yeah, not, not a fan. I, and I didn't catch any of their names here, but I, I'll, I'll find them later on, don't you worry. <laughs> they give Johnny a hard time when he walks over there, but the owner of the dirtboard shop invites Johnny in. He shows Johnny around, and these dirt borders all think they're the biggest, you know, hot, hot things on the block because when you fall off the board, you don't float, you bleed. So they've got something against the surfers out here in Hawaii. Well, okay then. Val, the, the lady dirtboarder, as I mentioned, uh, she invites Johnny out for a ride. And thus, uh, the owner of the shop gives Johnny a board and some safety gear, and now he's off. But they also act really weird about giving Johnny a helmet and pads. Like, they don't want him yeah, to like have it. Yeah, like, as if safety isn't a thing. Yeah, like everyone else is wearing them. Well, why can't Johnny be protected? Because, what, because he normally falls in water and he has to learn how to bleed? Like, okay, y'all being real weird. I also like that, yet again, Johnny is just gifted an expensive piece of uh, sports equipment here. <laughs> you know, he got a surfboard, uh, uh, a uh, a snowboard for free in the first movie. Now he's getting this big old dirtboard. If I know anything from longboarding, those suckers are expensive. So a dirtboard must be like that, you know, multiplied. Yeah, I think you just handed to him. I mean, good for him. He's out here uh, hustling, you know. We get a sick montage with way too many lens flares and after effects for my liking of the uh, dirt borders doing their thing before we see Johnny and Chris again. I don't know about your takes on, on this uh, first little introduction to the, the visual stylings of their writing in this movie, Kelly. What, what do you think? I just thought it was something to distract you from the fact that it's all stunt doubles. Yeah, definitely uh, distracting is a good word for it. Johnny asks if these people are really Chris's friends. After saying they probably shouldn't be where they are, you know, they, they it looks like they're trespassing. Johnny says that Chris is not a dirt devil yet, like the other kids are. You know, they're all part of the, the dirt boarding team. Um, he's not going to be one until he proves he's good enough. They then embark down the mountain, and Johnny wipes out when he hits the bottom. Val helps him up, then... One of the dirt boarders gives Chris a hard time and tells him that he has to impress him. Not just Troy, the owner of the shop, he has to impress th this kid. His name is Jared, by the way. Oh. Uh, he's kind of like the de facto leader of the dirt heads, and he's the one that I hate the most. Yes, hate him. So, um, Jared challenges Chris to, quote, ride the toilet bowl, whatever that means. I don't have to sit in confusing for confusion for too long, Kelly, because we then immediately cut to the toilet bowl, <laughs> a very tall mountain of sand where Chris and uh, Johnny are staring down from the summit. We get a uh, duality of sorts with the dirt borders chastising Chris while Johnny tells him that he doesn't have to go through with it. He doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do. 
pros do it all the time. They bail on these stupid, dangerous stunts that Chris is about to do as a little little kid, you know? Yeah, um, I really have a problem with Jake T. Austin being Chris, or really just the age of this character. For the casting alone, it just feels really weird to me. Not really because of him as an actor, but because of his age. I feel like he should be closer to the age of the rest of the Dirtboard gang. Like, at least 16 or something, not 12. Valerie was 19 in real life, so I guess she was pretending to be 17. But just the, this 12-year-old little baby doing all these stunts and getting in trouble all the time. It just did... It just it was just really weird. Yeah, having a kid play like play Chris as drastically young as, as Jake T. Austin was compared to the rest of the cast really just... it exemplified how much of an age difference there was and it was very noticeable and it was kind of hard to believe this little kid tagging around with all these dirt borders and also just he just felt like such a baby and so immature like even more so yes yes definitely um so just as chris is about to give in to peer pressure and go down the toilet bowl an officer comes by to stop him apparently they're all on private property and the cop brings Johnny and Chris home to grandma or grandpa and step grandma. Not yet. Or soon to be step grandma. You're right. <laughs> grandpa lets Chris know that he's not into the whole punishment thing, as Johnny knows from his childhood. Uh, in time, he thinks that everyone will find their own path. But the path Chris is on right now is a dangerous one. Hanging out with these dirt borders, you know, doing whatever he can to impress him, dangerous or not, illegal or not. Uh, his punishment is no wheels for the rest of the week, which to me sounds like a pretty light punishment. Like you're just telling me that uh, for getting busted by the cops for apparently the second time, my only punishment is I'm just not allowed to ride my skateboard for a week. I mean, I'd be like, oh, I got off easy on that one. But this kid complains like his world was just ended. He's like, he like storms off uh, huffing and puffing. I'm like, dude, chill. Read the room. Yeah, cause that's what that's what immature little preteens do. He was whiny, 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 whiny. Yeah, super annoying. Chris runs inside with his mom, and Grandpa and Johnny sit on the steps outside the house. This is where Grandpa tells Johnny that if they don't open the shop in time and start making some money, they're going to lose it all. So, you know, Chris is not the only thing on his mind right here. He's got, he's got adult problems to deal with as well, which is... Probably the first time in Mr. Tsunami's life where he's had like serious adult problems to deal with because, you know, from the last movie, he was just a care carefree old man just living his best life. Yeah, so if they haven't really like opened the shop yet, how long has this lady been in Hawaii? Good question. I mean, when they first arrive at the shop, it looks like it, it's in shambles, you know, like the first time they show up there. And then the next day, everything's all set up and almost ready to go for the grand opening. So it's like, what have they been doing? Time is a strange thing in decoms. Yeah, I guess so. The only thing Johnny can do to help uh, Mr. Tsunami along is to keep Chris out of trouble until Saturday, which is the, the grand opening of the store. The next day, Sam comes to pick Johnny up to go surfing, but Johnny breaks the news to him that Uncle doesn't surf. Instead, they stop by the sh surf shop, and uh, Grandpa wasn't there, though, when they got there, so Johnny's like, oh, where'd he go? Um, but he finds a note on the computer that says that uh, Grandpa went to go get a haircut, which is obviously strange to Johnny. He's not used to short-haired Mr. Tsunami here. Yeah. 
Johnny finds him at the barber's shop wearing a whole suit and even a watch. You remember strange looks from uh, Mr. Tsunami here, Kelly? Here, here we go. He's in a business suit. Yeah, Johnny didn't even recognize him at first. I, I, didn't, I didn't recognize him. Uh, Johnny didn't even recognize his own grandfather. He bumped right into him. Uh, but Mr. Tsunami is off to meet Carla at the bank, which makes Johnny a bit sus. You know, like he's like, a bank? What do you mean? Hmm. Back at the surf shop, Chris is across the street at the dirtboard shop. And Johnny says, you know, at, at least he isn't doing something illegal. You know, he's just hanging around these dirt heads. Johnny's parents come in to take care of things at the store, which gives Johnny the rest of the day off. But when he and Sam go to get Chris back, they see him getting in a car with the dirt devils. So th this kid, I, I already don't, I already didn't trust his judgment, but then you just see him like not telling anyone where he's going and hopping in a car with a bunch of older kids. This doesn't seem like a smart kid. No, and like this adult being in charge of children's skateboarders just weirds me out. Like, hop in my Dirt Devils van, kids, and I'll drop you off at a, a cool skate place that's totally safe. Yeah, from the very start, I thought Troy was a shifty character. You know, like, he he's... I would not trust any child around this guy. No. Johnny and Sam follow the Dirt Devil car, finding their destination to be this barge where they set up a makeshift skate park. Johnny confronts Troy once all the Dirt Devils get out of the car. He, remember, he's the skate shop owner, uh, the, the older dude. Yeah. And Johnny tells Troy all about how Chris isn't allowed to be here. He's in trouble. He's not supposed to be with hanging around these kids. He's not supposed to be on, on, on wheels, you know? Um, but again, like, this guy is so sus, and I get weird vibes from him. And, like, it, loading up these kids in the back of his van and talking all smug to Johnny, I'm, I'm really not a fan. And this conversation really sold me that, like, this is a bad dude, all right? Like, stay away. Yeah, he, he's not, he's no good. No. Very smugly, Troy leaves and Johnny complains to Sam about how he can't believe Chris is doing all this. On this very important week, on top of all that, it's the week of the wedding, and it's the week of the store opening, and, and Chris just won't cu cut anybody a break. This is when Sam reminds Johnny that maybe this is Chris's way of dealing with all this change. It's tough on him, you know, just like the move to Vermont was on Johnny. So you know, maybe maybe there's a bit of similarity, but I don't remember Johnny being a whiny, complaining little kid. No, Chris is a brat, and Johnny was only one year older than Chris is now in the last movie, and he was he, he was a lot more respectable and nicer. From the get-go, Johnny was a, a stand-up young man who just kept finding himself in bad situations around mean kids, you know? But this Chris kid, he's, he's the bad situation. He's a whole bad situation, Kelly. Yes. Johnny and Sam decide to join the Dirt Devils for a fun day of skateboarding. There's too many boards, Kelly. We got surfboards, snowboards, dirtboards, skateboards. I, I, what are they going to come up with next? Longboards. No, no more. Uh, Jared, the main bully of the Dirt Devils, as I mentioned before, uh, he gives Johnny a hard time trying to psych him out before giving him a try on, on their little skate park. Sam and Johnny get going and are immediately very good at, at skateboarding. I mean, yep. And, and we get one more montage with some bad after effects and now they're the talk of the group. Yeah. Lots of filters. Lots of filters, the really heavy, like, I, I think this one was like the heavy rock music, too. Um, the soundtrack to this movie is actually rather impressive, too. I don't know if you noticed, Kelly. Um, 
But anyway, uh, you know, while the whole group, all the Dirt Devils are are all like congratulating Johnny and Sam, Chris looks rather upset about their seemingly natural talent, and he takes off his gear and starts walking away. When Johnny and Sam leave, we learn that he actually got pretty far away. Uh, he wanted to walk home, and, and it looks like he's on the opposite part of the island here. Wow. When they do get home, he runs straight through the house, rather rudely, and slams his room door shut. Johnny goes to talk to him, and uh, Chris then vents. You know, he says he's mad because that was supposed to be his opportunity to impress the Dirt Devils. But now they're all about Johnny instead of him. Well... Johnny's a lot older. Yeah, he's their age. He's good at it. And uh, you're a little kid. So, I mean, get over it. But I don't know. Anyway, on a beach walk later with Grandpa, Johnny says that he tried. You know, he tried to be friends with Chris. And he really does. Like, through this whole entire thing, he's genuinely trying to be Chris's friend. Um, But Chris just doesn't like him. Uh, Grandpa Tsunami obviously says, no, that's not true. That's not true. but he says, you know what, tomorrow, uh, Grandpa Tsunami is going to handle Chris, alright? Johnny only has one other thought. I, I messed that whole thing up. Grandpa Tsunami is going to handle Chris tomorrow. There's only one thing left that he needs Johnny to do. The next day, Johnny is tying his surfboard to the top of his car, and Val comes by to give him a hand. Uh, she said she tried surfing once in California, but she chipped her tooth, so it couldn't have gone too well. And uh, these two, Kelly, are, are mad flirting. And uh, I'm just waiting for Johnny to get the hint. And I was, I was like, oh, is he going to get it? I don't know. Um, oh, gosh. But Val says that, you know, surfing's pretty cool. And if she knew what she was doing, she'd probably get into it. Finally, after, like, waiting way too long, Johnny goes, oh, Johnny offers to teach her. And she asks if he's always this slow. So, obviously, everyone was feeling the, the, the where this was going here, Kelly. And, I mean... I don't know. I don't know about you, Kelly. Like, I know you're typically not a huge fan of decom romances, but this one, like, was a decently earned one. It didn't come in a kiss out of nowhere at the end of the movie. They, they, from the second that Val and Johnny met, like, you, you, you saw the way they looked at each other. I mean, I suppose. It just he doesn't live there, so what's the end game here? Who are you to judge people on vacation flings, Kelly? I don't know what you're talking about. This uh, movie's not about me. Alright. So, this little budding romance starts just in time for another montage. But this time, it's not as egregiously overly uh, uh, edited. And we get a scene of Johnny teaching Val how to surf. Yeah, it's surfing. You don't need all that crazy filters. Like, at least for, like, skateboarding, that's kind of, like, the vibe that you see a lot. But for surfing, no. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, and, and also like, this is like a teaching montage rather than just a, oh, let's just all flex on each other montage. Yeah. No, this this isn't a showcase. This is a teaching moment. Exactly. When she finally gets the hang of it, they sit and watch the sunset. And, uh, then seemingly, I mean, like I said, they're watching the sunset. And then in the next scene, the sun is way up when they say goodbye. So I don't know what's going on here, Kelly. (laughs) You know, they forgot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah definitely forgot i mean they probably just shot the goodbye scene right after the hello scene so probably val tells johnny that he's a great teacher and then she writes her number on his hand she says that this is for when he is ready for her to turn him into a dirt head 
Oh, okay. So he got her number, Kelly. Good for him. Later on, Johnny tells Chris that he could do a lot worse family-wise, you know? Like, he, everyone's hanging out, playing the playing the ukulele and all that, and Chris is just down below all of them skateboarding. But Chris says that this is not his family. Johnny offers to take Chris out to see a movie, maybe. Maybe even Val could come. And when Chris sees the, the, the phone number written on Johnny's hand, he gets all mad. It looks like this little kid's a little jealous here, Kelly. Like, I get it. But at one point does he realize he's 12? Yeah, I mean, even even if, let's let's go by their movie age here, even if she's like 16 years old, something like that, that's still way too old for you, man. You're 12 years old. Yeah, she's in high school and he's in middle school, probably. But I get it. He's, I mean, he's a little middle schooler with a crush that's, you know, it's not egregious. What would be strange is if we got like a Padman Anakin situation, uh. you know, where she was gunning, gunning for him. <sighs> it could always be worse kelly that's all i'm saying it's a good point rather than hang out with his new girlfriend johnny goes to hang out with sam they go and get snow cones and this is where johnny gets a great idea to befriend chris somehow yeah befriend yeah i mean honestly that's all he's trying to do uh the way he does it is a bit strange because we then cut to him and sam pranking chris by blasting music to waking him up to wake him up and then they video it as blackmail and that's how they get him to tag along with them for the day yeah i I get chris is annoying but you don't need to prank him by destroying his eardrums i know right like i i've I've accidentally you know put some headphones on and had the music blasting on occasion it's not a fun feeling i don't wish that on anybody it hurts yeah, like there are other ways to get him to agree to spending the day with you besides hurting him. And blackmail, which Chris also points out is a felony. I mean, yeah, but just more so against the pain part. Yeah, for sure. They drive off to Val's mansion. Yes, you heard that right. Of course. Val lives on Hawaii in a mansion, and this house is huge. It's got these beautiful ponds and everything. It's awesome. Yeah, fake Hawaii... Um looks beautiful. Fake Hawaii has some pretty cool uh, landscaping, Kelly, I gotta say. But even, like, just, like, the area around her house. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. She has some ATVs in her garage, a gift her dad gave her because he's a bit guilty for working all the time. Remember, we haven't seen him yet. But we also haven't seen any of the other kids' parents, so not that big of a deal, I guess. Do they have parents? Unsure. Who's to say? They all grab a a dirt board and four-wheel their way through some beautiful Hawaiian or New Zealand uh, landscape. And uh, yes, Kelly, it is time for yet another dirt board montage. So this one is of Chris doing some sick tricks down the hill, and then Val teaching Johnny and Sam how to ride, Chris joyfully watching along. This is like the first instance of him actually like uh, enjoying spending time with Johnny, and all of this montaging friendship and all that sort of uh, story development is accompanied by the musical stylings of none other than the jonas brothers kelly yes 30 minutes in we get the jonas brothers playing hold on from their 2007 album but i'm not really sure if this is the right song for the scene it's actually rather deep but i feel the writers were like ah yes they should hold on to their board and not fall for some stupid reason like that I think it was just an excuse to shoehorn in a Jonas Brothers song, but I mean, 
You got to give this movie points for having the Jonas Brothers, Kelly. I know, but usually the songs are very fitting. And then this one was like, huh? When someone breaks your heart, you have to hold on? What? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Waiting for the tragic backstory or someone to get hurt while they're, while they're dirt boarding. But no, they're just having a good old time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, love an excuse to play the Jonas Brothers, but like there are better songs to play. Probably. Well, love that song. I just what would you prefer? The year 3000? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, anyway. At the surf shop, Mama Kapahala and Carla talk about Chris acting up and all. Johnny Tsunami and Papa Kapahala get there, and I guess uh, Mr. Tsunami is planning something for Chris. And then he unveils a set of dirtboard wheels. So either he's going to build him a new dirtboard or he's going to start selling dirtboarding parts at the shop. We don't know yet. Hmm. Across the street at the shady dirt board shop, Troy is on the phone and he's talking about some sort of competition or deal or something. I don't know. He's trying to get someone to buy the shop, it sounds like. He's also worried that the Kapahala surf shop may be uh, diversifying its its inventory. Maybe they might start selling dirt Ooh. boards. So I think he's onto something here, Kelly. Maybe. Back at Val's house, her dad comes home and everybody is introduced. And uh, Chris fumbles his words. You can tell, again, his crush is showing a bit. Um, and then the, everyone heads home for the night. Oh. Turns out that Val's dad is actually the guy that Grandpa Tsunami was talking to outside the bank earlier. Weird, right? What, what, what could they have been talking about? Hmm. Anyway, Troy sent one of the dirt heads to spy on the surf shop. And when he goes in, he steals a packing slip. He almost gets caught by Carla, but he gets away with it. Talking about, like, oh, he's looking for Chris or something. Sure he is. He brings the slip to Troy, who goes through it. And he sees, yep, indeed, Mr. Uh, Tsunami is buying some dirt boarding gear. Oh, no. Troy goes and pays Mr. Tsunami a visit, then. Seems like someone's a bit insecure about his business, Kelly. I, I don't know what he's planning, but I don't like it. When he gets up in Johnny Tsunami's face, I get a bit angry. I'm really not liking Troy here. I agree, but also very suspicious that he comes over right after. Yeah, awfully sus. Also, like when he's trying to figure out what's going on, when he wants to know if they're going to start selling boards, my mind went to like the, the, that he would be getting into like drugs and money laundering. That I thought this decom was about to get some, get interesting, but that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I was expecting, yeah, some something shady for sure. Uh, just because he's such a shifty guy. But I, I think drugs is a bit too uh, mature for a decom here. Yes, but he was just acting like something was something really, really dramatic was happening. So I was like, oh, what? But no, he, just, right. he was just pissed off about selling boards. Like, okay. He's upset about his failing shop. <laughs> okay. On his way out of the store... Troy tells uh, Mr. Tsunami that he should keep his little spy out of the dirtboard shop. Of course, he means Chris as his little spy. Chris overhears this when he comes back from his day out with Johnny, and he's a bit confused about what he means. Then he goes to yell at Grandpa Tsunami for upsetting Troy, and again, the cojones on this kid, Kelly. He does not know his little kid going to yell at the late, great Tsunami. I don't think so. He has no respect for anybody. It's like a puddle talking to a Tsunami. Get out of here. Later on, Grandpa tells Johnny a story. A story about when he was 16 and he thought he was immortal, as all 16-year-olds kind of do. A story about a huge wave, one that nearly drowned him. He took on too much, 
and he promised himself he would never do that again. We get a feeling he's a feeling a bit over his head here, Kelly. Aww. The next day, Grandpa was gone before Johnny woke up. He made sure to tell us that. And uh, Carla comes in and says that Chris is missing. Of course, Johnny and Sam go out looking for him. While, uh, while they're out looking for Chris, Johnny sees that the dirt heads are giving Val a hard time across the street from the surf shop. They won't let her go to their competition. That, that's, I guess, the competition that uh, Troy was talking about earlier in the movie. Yeah. Uh, they won't let her go because she was riding with Johnny and Chris the other day. Scandalous. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Jeez. High school, Kelly. When she tells Troy that she already bought her ticket, he gives her a sad little look and he says, Oh, that's great. Now all you have to do is find a way there. What a jerk. Yeah, don't like this guy. Like he, his life is so miserable that he has to get his ups on 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 like being mean to little kids, teenagers. But yeah, all right. So it's not a competition. Uh, it's sort of like a dirt boarding demo where they the dirt devils are going because they could potentially pick up a sponsor or two while they're there. And uh, on top of that, the god of all terrain, some guy named Akoni Kama, something like that. Uh, he's going to be there too. Real dude. Yeah, he plays himself in the movie. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, even Chris has a ticket to go. So, I mean, this kind of gives Johnny the idea maybe that's where he headed off to. Val needs a way to get there, and of course, Sam is willing to give her a ride. It's a kind of a funny scene the way he does it, too. Yeah, but like literally his main purpose in this movie is to drive everyone everywhere. Yeah, right? He's just the taxi driver. That's okay, <laughs> though. He's a literal plot driver. Oh, gosh, yeah. So we're at the dirtboarding demo now, and uh, we get a montage of the crew looking for Chris amidst some pretty gnarly dirtboarding in the background. You see all sorts of tricks going on. There's big old, like, half pipe or something going on down there. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and at 49 minutes, 26 seconds, you could see someone in the distance standing in their backyard just watching the show. But I feel like that was someone's actual house, Just and this dude was just checking out what's going on. Like, oh, is that a movie or like a real skate demo? That's absolutely hilarious. That's uh, that's really funny, actually. You imagine just walking in your backyard one day and see like, oh, what's, what's, what's that over there? A bunch of people skateboarding or something. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. The scene made me miss, you know, pre-COVID times, Kelly. I know we try not to harp too much on the, on the COVID of it all, but I, I miss going to these like little festivals or these fairs, you know, with all the booths all over the place. I miss that. Yeah, I miss some of this. Just when it looks like Johnny has given up hope looking for Chris, he actually sees him across the way confronting the dirtheads. Chris says that Jared's problem is that he's afraid to race against him. Of course, this little 12-year-old thinks he's, he's hot stuff. Troy says that if Chris wants a spot on the team, one, he has to tell his new dad that if it's a board and it has wheels, it sells at Troy's shop. And two, Jared is his team captain, so if Chris wants to be on the team, then he needs Jared's approval. Fine. And then Jared, subsequently, of course, he has his own parameters too. He says that if Chris wants on the team, he needs to catch big air. No baby bumps anymore, Kelly. Jared wants Chris at. I'm gonna butcher this word. Pupukia. It's Pupukea. All right, so Jared wants Chris at some Hawaiian place tomorrow at 3 p.m. Back at home, Mr. Tsunami and Carla talk about Chris. Uh, Johnny Tsunami says that right now, what Chris needs most is to be a part of something. To belong. 
Johnny goes to talk to Chris, mimicking the lesson that he learned from Grandpa Tsunami earlier about how getting hurt is not a matter of if or when, it's inevitable. He gives him a classic backwards chair talk, kind of like Captain America talking to the detention class. Um, <laughs> and he talks about how Chris's mom and, uh, and Johnny's grandpa are getting married no matter what. And in the meantime, Chris is just making everyone miserable. All Johnny wants is for his grandpa to be happy, and he thinks that Carla deserves the same. Chris is having none of it. He waves all this off, rather rude to Johnny at the same time, and uh, I'm done with this scene, Kelly. Yeah. I, 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 Every time this kid talks, I just don't like him more and more. Anything that comes out of his mouth is annoying. The family's getting ready for the rehearsal dinner. Grandpa and Dad are going to take care of some things that need to get ready for the grand opening of the store tomorrow, and Johnny stays behind to, quote, be the muscle. Chris thanks Johnny uh, for not telling anyone about the big jump that he has planned today over at, insert Hawaiian name here. <laughs> and Johnny says it wasn't hard because it's not going to happen. Johnny says that Chris has to behave for this wedding thing. Like, There's no more excuses. This has to happen and you're going to sit tight and be a little kid because you're a little kid. Yeah, you're 12-year-old. When mom says that she needs Johnny to head to town to pick up some things, Chris takes the opportunity for the ride, saying that he thought he'd help with the ice bags. When they get to the store to pick up said ice, Chris says he needs to go to the bathroom. Sure liar. he uh, He jumps out the window like he's ditching a date, and he grabs his board, Why with, a date? which he stowed in... Why is know, that your you analogy? You get out of a date, you jump out the window. It's the trope. It's all. It's the trope. Everyone jumps out the window at, on, on their dates, you know? It's not going well, you jump out the window. Or if they're trying to ditch a tail, you know, if they're an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they jump out the window. Yeah, or if you're in How I Met Your Mother, you do it to get out of a wine-tasting night, and you jump from, like, the 10th floor window. All right, well, either way, both of those contain Kobe Smolders. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that connection there. You love to see it. <laughs> anyway... Uh, he grabs his board, which he stowed in the back of Johnny's car, and he dashes off for the jump. He's not very evasive. You know, he's a little liar, but he's not evasive because Johnny sees him running away through the window at the shop, and now he's got to go catch him, which would be a lot easier if the car didn't have a flat tire. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I thought Chris slashed the tires. Like, that's what it looked like to me. It looked like there was like a puncture or something. But of course, his job is a bit more difficult now. <laughs> yeah. So now we cut to the big jump. Chris is going to try to go for a gap that looks very scary, to say the least. And uh, Johnny gets there just in time. You know, he, he's running up there shouting, shouting not to do it. But he does it anyway. And he takes a face full of dirt when he lands, Kelly. And uh, Johnny runs up to help him. You know, the, the soft music plays. We know this is a dramatic uh, somewhat emotional part, I suppose, or at least was supposed to be sad for Chris. I'm not too sad. I could see he was moving and talking. He he needs to be, he needs to feel a little bit of pain right now. Oh yeah, I uh, I knew this movie was definitely gonna end up with Chris injured, so I I wasn't sad. It was coming. It was inevitable. We transition to the rehearsal dinner, which looks like it was postponed. Chris. Carla and Grandpa arrive, and luckily, it was only a fracture. 
uh, not something more serious that that Chris got from jumping. He fractured his arm. Uh, Johnny goes to apologize, but Carlos says that Chris already told them everything. While everyone goes to clean up, Chris and Johnny sit and talk. And uh, just as Johnny compliments the jump, the cop from earlier pulls up, but this time it's not about them. He goes over to talk to Gramps and Carla, and he tells them that the surf shop was trashed. They arrive later to their to the scene, and uh, everything looks destroyed, Kelly. Like, everything's all over the place. I don't, this must have taken a long time to do, it looks like. Um, but they're all wondering who did it. They didn't have to wait too long, though, because just then, an officer brings Jared in. Of course. Yeah, uh, who else would it have been? Uh, except maybe probably Troy. Um, but he got caught behind the Dirt Devil store with a key to the storeroom. He was stealing Grandpa's dirtboard gear and going to st- stow it in uh, in the dirtboard storeroom. Mm-hmm. Troy shows up to the scene of the crime, but he says he didn't know anything about this, which uh, makes Jared give a strange look, but the cops take him away. The cops want to access uh, Troy's storeroom, and he says, oh yeah, I'll fully cooperate. Okay. Jerk. I don't believe you. No, not even a little bit. He goes up to Mr. Tsunami and says he wants to apologize for what he said the other day. Says he was nervous about having the legendary Johnny T as competition. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> on his way out, he compliments Chris on his jump. And he says that he should come by the store tomorrow. Try on some shirts and helmets, maybe. But Johnny comes in and says, oh, no, that's not going to happen, bud. No. Now, of course, Chris is mad again. Uh, he yells that Johnny ruins everything for him and that he hates this family. <laughs> Where are you going to go, kid? Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Walk home? Like, you're, you're, you look like a hurt little chihuahua. How are you going to do anything without your family here? And now you're, all you do is just trash talk them. Yeah. Later that night, Chris overhears his mom telling Mr. T that she thinks that she made a mistake staying in Hawaii. She says that she can't go through with the marriage. <gasps> She goes through her plans, offering Johnny Boy, uh, or Johnny Boy Sr., uh, a share of the profits for selling the shop. But he says he doesn't want to share. He wants to marry her and to be Chris's father. Aww. She says that she's barely even been his mother, being so wrapped up in the opening and of the business and all that stuff. But for the good of her son, she can't wait long enough for things to just turn around. Um, Okay. Yeah, I don't know about this, but uh, feeling a bit deflated, Chris retreats to his bedroom and reflects on how crappy of a kid he's been. Yeah, like, Carla's like, I can't marry you the night before the wedding, after all that money was involved. Like, Chris sucks. Right? Chris, I mean, Chris is a terrible kid. Johnny's mom spent eight hours on the flowers. Ugh. Terrible. Eight hours, yeah. Yeah, it's just absolutely nuts. Anyway, night turns to day, and John and Johnny are out by the ocean. The walking tsunami talks to his pono, telling Johnny about how he feels with Carla and Chris leaving. Johnny says that he should tell Chris how he feels, you know? Like, put it out there. Let him know that he cares about him. Looks like Johnny ain't a tadpole anymore, Kelly. He knows what he's talking about. And he thinks he knows exactly the one person who Chris may actually listen to. Enter Val, who catches Chris folding his undies, which is a pretty funny little scene here. He throws them <laughs> behind himself. Um, 
she wants to talk to Chris about not turning into a Jared, which is Hawaiian for loser, if you didn't know. Dang. I like learning a little Hawaiian lingo here, Kelly. Yeah. She tells Chris about how lucky he is to have Johnny Kapahala. He's the best big brother or whatever he can ask for. She also says that Mr. Big Wave asked Johnny to do it himself. You know, spend his whole vacation looking after Chris, and he did it. She says that she doesn't get why Chris would walk away from having a whole family that cares about him and wants to be around him. So, someone finally put Chris in his place here, Kelly, and it was the girl that he liked. So, that that doubly hurt. Yeah, of course it was Val. But also, I think this is the scene where they actually revealed how old Johnny was in the movie. That is 17. So, like, in the beginning of the movie, he said it's been a few years. Uh, he didn't specifically say eight, but I just assumed it was eight and that he was 21. But this is when I finally realized he was 17 the entire time. Yeah. So it kind of blew my mind. I don't know. I guess if you turn 18, then this becomes an adult movie and they got to keep it a little bit relevant to the kids here. I don't know. Twitches, they were 21, but different story. <laughs> yeah, different story. So later on, Johnny and Chris talk, and Chris admits this is all his fault, but he wants to fix it. He just doesn't know how, and it's a good thing Pono's a genius here, because it looks like he's going to have an idea or two. Hmm. Mom is trying to convince Carla to stay. Johnny calls them, and she, he tells her that he needs the family to meet him and Chris at the store, which... When they get there, the family sees that the two of them totally put back together with the help of Sam and Val, of course. Chris tells his mom that he doesn't want to move, and he thinks he can actually like it here. Then he, Carla, and Mr. Tsunami embrace. We cut to the grand opening of the shop, which is popping, Kelly. I mean, it looks like business is absolutely booming. Across the street, though, we see Troy, and uh, he's talking to Val's dad who looks to be walking away from some sort of a business deal gone wrong. Hmm. Mr. T and Mr. Kapahala run across the street to see what's up. Looks like Troy was trying to get Mr. Val's dad guy uh, to buy his shop as a site for his new condo development, because Troy's moving to California, leaving the dirt devils behind. See, he is sketchy. Val chimes in and she says something to Troy, but Troy says, no, this isn't about you. But Mr. Val's dad says, that's exactly what this is all about. This is all about the kids. And how he doesn't even care about the kids who look up to him so much. They, they argue back and forth for a bit. But when Troy says that no serious rider is going to take the surf shop seriously, who shows up but Mr. Akoni Kama, walking out of the surf shop, signing some dirt boards. So it looks like uh, Troy, you know, he, he's not all that right about what the serious... Uh, board shop is here not at all troy gets all up in tsunami's face and he says he's going to take the surf shop down okay when he goes to walk away johnny challenges him to a test of skills sort of a family tradition <laughs> um after after all i mean he calls himself the godfather of dirtboarding, but johnny's never seen him ride that's true we've never seen him ride this whole film yeah exactly so, the challenge is a mountain board race. Uh, if Troy wins, he gets all of their mountain board gear. If Johnny wins, both shops get to sell whatever they like. Once again, Johnny's siding on the side of let the people choose. From the snowy mountain on the first movie, he just wanted everyone to be able to go wherever they want. And 
now he just wants everyone to be able to shop wherever they want. So Johnny's always kind of neutral. That's what he's fighting for. Yeah. Fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight. Absolutely right, Kelly. So after this challenge, Mr. Val's dad knows exactly where to have the race. Because it just so happens that he just bought a safe place for the kids to dirtboard. Convenient. And Mr. Tsunami had no small part in, in the planning of this. He was a very major role in planning this development. You see, he wanted a safe place for Chris to do what he loves. Everyone else has all the beaches to go surfing. He wanted a safe place for Chris to dirtboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually why Mr. Tsunami was meeting with Val's dad earlier in the film, you know, by the bank. And uh, this gesture, this this uh, effort by him to build a safe place for Chris to go riding, finally, finally gets a thank you out of Chris. <laughs> like, finally, he's not a little jerk. For once. Johnny's feeling a bit nervous before the race. He's asking his grandpa how they keep getting themselves into these situations because the, the Kapahala boys are always finding themselves in these, these competitions of sorts. Grandpa, to cool Johnny's nerves, reminds him that the best surfer is the one that's having the most fun. And now Johnny's confident enough to go. At the top of the track, Sam gives Johnny some words of encouragement, and then Chris gives him some pointers and tells Johnny to be careful. Then he wishes him luck. So it looks like finally Chris has turned over a new leaf, it seems. It seems. Troy arrives, and he tells Johnny that he is in way over his head. But luckily, Johnny knows how to swim. They line up, and Sam explains the rules. You get to the end, and you do three tricks on the way. That's really it. The color saturation or filters or whatever they are, Kelly, they get all crazy. Oh, yeah. They're bad. And now it's race montage time. Riders ready, set, and they're off. They do some pretty neat moves while they're going down. You know, like it was kind of hard to track because I didn't like this editing at all. And my internet was being funky, so uh, it was all blurry. <laughs> but uh, we see Johnny's keeping his pace. And at many times, he's actually ahead of Troy. Near the end of the race, it looks like Troy's getting desperate, and he tries to knock Johnny down. He wipes himself out in the process as well, but uh, he gets a decent head start on Johnny getting back into it. More of this Johnny's opponents trying to knock him down. Don't like it. Always. Always. They, they can never play, you know, by the rules. They're always playing dirty. Uh, Johnny comes up from behind, though, and while doing a cool trick, there's a freaking jump scare in this movie, Kelly. Because really. when he's doing like this trick on one of the little jumps there, it, it like pops back to like the crowd and there's a loud noise and I literally jumped out of my seat. Like, well, that's just you. <laughs> it was just like a really quick jump to the crowd and it was it scared the heck out of me. Yeah, it's typical for you. Yeah, I'm I'm very easily frightened. Most <laughs> people know this. So while doing more of his own tricks, like right at the end of the race, Troy wipes out. But Johnny lands his last one and finishes the race in first place. As opposed to third place. Yes, absolutely. Um, too bad he never learned how to stop, though, because he rode straight into the hay, hay bales at the finish. Yeah, it couldn't be too perfect. No, absolutely not. I mean, he did say he never learned how to stop. Mm -hmm. Amidst all the congratulations from friends and family, Troy angrily calls to Johnny. And he says that this isn't over. But then, kind of like Falcon from uh, from Endgame, we hear a voice out of the distance. Uh, it says, uh, 
on your left? Yes, it is. Officer number one from earlier in the movie enters and tells Troy that Jared gave them a full confession, which now lands Troy in jail for aiding and abetting and coercion of a juvenile to commit a felony. There's your uh, intense crimes for the DCOM, (laughs) Kelly. I think that's as intense as we're going to get. Yeah. All the kids go off to try out the course, and as the parents walk back up the mountain, Mr. T and Carla reveal that they're actually going to get married after all. Thank goodness. Yeah. You wanted to see these two lovebirds get it. Later that night, they do just that, and the whole family, along with all their friends, have a true Hawaiian wedding as one. And afterwards, Johnny and his grandpa go surfing, together. And they even try to get Chris to jump in too. Uh, but he, you know, isn't ready for that yet. And after a bit of playing around, the three of them walk down the Hawaiian or New Zealand beach as the credits roll. Yeah, I, li- I like this approach the with the credits rolling while they walk on the beach. It was peaceful. Yeah, I agree. I like that a lot better than the freeze frames we've been getting. Definitely. But it also just leaves me to wonder, when Johnny goes back to the States or wherever he lives, is Chris going to be chill? Is he going to make new friends his age? Like... Like, Johnny doesn't live there. That's a good question. I don't really... I, y- you hope that he actually learned his lesson here. But, I mean, who knows? Chris, you know, he, being good is a new thing to him. Who knows if it's going to stick? I don't know. Maybe when school starts, he'll make friends. Maybe Johnny sticks around and uh, keeps Chris in check. And uh, he, he and Val will get together. And, and it'll all be like a happy little little family here on, on New, in New Zealand. But he's 17, so he's probably still going to school somewhere, so gotta get back to Emily. Emily? Oh my goodness, you're right. Yeah. What a what a cliffhanger, plot hole, whatever you want to call it. But seriously though, what, what did you think of this movie? Well, you know, this really was a TV movie sequel in my opinion. <laughs> Not very good or up to the level of the first. It was kind of just there with lots of fancy toys, half of which supplied from the designated rich girl, so... The designated rich girl. I didn't remember any of it, so either I never watched it as a kid, or it just was not good enough to be memorable for me, you know, in between Jump In and High School Musical. So, I like the first one, but this one did nothing for me. It was pretty much uh, a fever dream. Yeah, fever dream or a theater dream? Fever dream. Oh god, fever dream, that's funny. Um, I mean... Honestly, I, I never saw either of these movies before watching them for this uh, oh, right, right, for the right. podcast. But I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed both of them. I mean, it, yes, they're TV movies for sure. But I mean, they I severely and sincerely downplayed this entire franchise. Like I, this, this was pretty good um, as far as some of the decoms <laughs> I've seen go. And uh, I, I didn't hate it at all i hated chris but i i I enjoyed watching the movie it's nowhere near my favorite decoms in the world um but i enjoyed watching it uh even with all the crappy editing around the the montages i was still okay with it i did like the val and johnny storyline um i liked the little moments where where uh, chris would get jealous of johnny and val um and i thought i thought dirt boarding was actually pretty cool uh, so uh, maybe that's just because I have a little bit of relatability to it. Cause I did longboard all through college. It did harken back to my college days, Kelly longboard and all over the place. Uh-huh. Um, surfing I've never done and I've never seen snow. So I've definitely not snowboarded. Uh, but I guess I related a little bit more to the dirt boarding here. Um, all that aside, I, I thought the, um, 
the criminal elements of this one the the crimes that had been uh committed was uh, not handled in the best way so that wasn't my favorite part of it um but you know i thought this was definitely probably not as good as the first one but still a, definitely not definitely a johnny Coppola movie just like a weird b version yeah i mean it's as as far as sequels go it was definitely not it's it wasn't so much the uh, high school musical one to high school musical two jump it definitely took a step back yeah but you know we've seen johnny Coppola on a surfboard and a snowboard so obviously the next step was to get him on a skateboard is there any other board he can't ride? Apparently not. Don't forget to catch our review next week of Johnny Kapahala Learns to Waterboard. Waterboard? Oh my god, that's gonna be a dark movie. And then catch the subsequent sequel, Johnny Kapahala 2084, where he learns how to hoverboard. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> that That's a better approach. I just went straight to waterboarding. Whoops. Yeah, you went straight to torture. <laughs> Any final thoughts here, Kelly? No, that's it. All right, then why don't you take us out? Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review so we can improve and follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at DCOM Central Pod, so feel free to follow us there and wear a mask. Keep thanks. Mahalo, listeners. 